Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. my pleasure to introduce you today to a woman you may not yet know, but I am sure you are going to love and want to follow and learn more about Pilar Gerasimo, who is not only my very close colleague, but also a dear friend who I love to talk with about so many different topics, ranging from science to health politics to how to be an aligned woman with ourselves and be in our truth in a very busy, striving world. We talk a lot about how to thrive and not just strive and even shift the dynamic away from having to strive to be fulfilled. Pilar is a lifelong vitality seeker. She's also seen a lot of health fads come and go and seen a lot of solid science either misreported or ignored by the mainstream media. So she's made it her life's mission to help others make sense of what is too often a confusing model of health and fitness cacophony. One of her main goals is helping people lead healthier, happier, more sustainable lives, particularly in a mixed up world. Pilar was raised in a bit of an unconventional way by her sociologist dad and her back to the land mother and continues to actually live her life on a farm in Wisconsin, which is home to horses, pigs, sheep, chickens, bees, flowers, herbs, vegetables, and her beloved companion, her dog. And even though she's living way out in the country, she is making a big Impact. Initially and until recently, Pilar was the founding editor of Experience Life magazine with an enormous national circulation, I believe reaching over 3 million health motivated men and women. And she has a really strong reputation as someone with an enormous amount of integrity and powerful intellect. And she has garnered kudos from internationally recognized health and lifestyle leaders, not only from me, but Dr. Mehmet Oz, Dr. Mark Hyman, Frank Lipman, Blue Zones author Dan Butner, Oprah life coach Cheryl Richardson, and even health advocate Queen Rania of Jordan. Pilar's tenure as editor-in-chief at Experience Life magazine earned Experience Life magazine over 100 editorial and design awards, including six folio awards. But even more powerfully, in my opinion, Pilar created what I, I would call a meme. She wrote a manifesto uh, for thriving in a mixed-up world and created a new mantra, being healthy is a revolutionary act. Pilar has a bold, new, no BS way of communicating, and she's translated this into a wildly popular interactive feature and free mobile app called 101 Revolutionary Ways to Be Healthy. Pilar is also very well academically trained. She has a BA with honors in comparative literature from Mills College. She speaks several languages. She was awarded a Fulbright scholarship. She is just a stunning stellar example of a whole beautiful thriving woman who also is very honest about still trying to learn how to live a good life herself. Pilar, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you here.
We all have rhythms and cycles, but unfortunately, most of us are not living by the ones that nature has guided our bodies by since the beginning of time. Now, many of you have heard about circadian rhythms, which are our 24-hour cycles that we have. Cortisol, as you'll hear a lot about from me in the coming months, is one of those cycles. It has a natural rhythm where it's high in the morning, and then toward the evening, it starts to decrescendo till it's low by the time you go to bed. And that natural circadian rhythm allows you to have energy when you wake up in the morning, and allows you to kind of settle into a nice sleep, lets your melatonin rise at night. But it's just one of many rhythms that we have as women. We all know of our monthly or somewhat monthly, depending on how regular your cycle is, which we call the menses because that means moon. So that is a cycle that when we have lived more with cycles of light and dark would actually have been cycling with the moon. Today, we're going to talk about an entirely different kind of rhythm that my guess is you might not ever have heard about, but is one of the simplest rhythms to hack, to transform your experience of your work life, your day, your happiness, many of your other rhythms, and give you more satisfaction, focus, and concentration. So Pilar is going to take it away and tell us, starting Pilar, what this rhythm is called and how you started paying attention to it. Sure. Um, Well, Aviva, first, thank you so much for having me join you today. I love the way you talk about women and health and the convergence of those things. (laughs) And for me, as a woman who is working hard to improve my health, discovering this thing we call ultradian rhythms was one of the biggest uh, insights and ahas I had, um, both as a person, as a woman myself, and as a health journalist. So ultradian rhythms, as you you reference circadian rhythms as being rhythms that happen every 24 hours or so, and we think of them of those rhythms of light and dark and waking and sleep. Ultradian rhythms are like mini circadian rhythms, and they happen every 90 to 120 minutes throughout the day. So rather than every 24 hours, think every hour and a half to two hours. These rhythms take place. And basically they're rhythms of being energized and de-energized, rhythms of being productive and needing to recover. And um, the way that I learned about them was um, in studying energy and metabolism as a health journalist. And as I was digging deeper into just, you know, the cycle and rhythms of our days and how we produce energy, use energy, and then deal with the byproducts of our energetic output, I stumbled across this concept of ultradian rhythms. This stuff has been around for 20, 30, or more years. A lot of the research that is available now and of the most, I guess, practical interest to a lot of folks actually happened in the 80s. Um, There's a guy named Ernest Rossi, R-O-S-S-I, who's a PhD, who wrote a book called, I think, The 20-Minute Break. And the 20-minute break was... 
a gathering of the research that he had done as a scientist um, about this phenomenon of ultradian rhythms. There are other people like Sidney Baker, who is a functional medicine doctor, who's written quite a lot about these same things. Um, but it hasn't it really made it very much into the mainstream parlance of health and fitness. And this, I think, is something that is due to change. There was one other guy... Tony Schwartz, who has the Energy Project and wrote a book called uh, with Jim Lohr called The Power of Full Engagement. And he wrote other books like Corporate Athlete that touched on ultradian rhythms as a really important um, strategy or tool to think about for folks who wanted to manage not just their time more effectively, but also their energy more effectively. And you make the point that there's a limited amount of time in every day. We don't have a lot of control over how many hours are in the day, but we do have quite a bit of control over our energy and how much, how well we use the time we have. So I'll back up a little bit and say what you want to think about in the ultradium rhythm um, vocabulary, for me at least, that helped a lot, was we tend to fight our natural cycles of energy. We get up in the morning and we get a cup of coffee in us and we start to go. And in the American ideal, we just keep going, right? We get up, we go to work, we get the kids off to school, we get ourselves going, we, we go get to work or do whatever we start doing. And we think that the goal is to simply not stop. It's this unrelenting torrent of output until the very end of the day when we basically, our energy is going to drop off the cliff. The minute our head hits the pillow, right, we're going to just fall asleep. Well, a lot of people have trouble falling asleep, and this is one of the reasons. We were never designed to work that way. And you know, as a doctor, I know you've studied a lot of this, and, and particularly as a functional medicine doctor, you know that one of the fundamental root causes of imbalances and conditions and diseases are systems out of rhythm and out of balance and overdrive, which I think you talk brilliantly about the syndrome of, of being on consistent and constant overdrive, particularly for women. It's one of the nastiest, most toxic things we can do for our bodies. So in an ideal world, what we would do is we would get up and we would start being energetic and we would start noticing that about an hour and a half to two hours after we dove into productive mode, our bodies start building up the byproducts of all of that output and energy. And it's almost like a car going out down the freeway has some pollutants that are coming out the back, that little uh, exhaust pipe. Our bodies throw off, as you well know, a lot of uh, waste products and little toxic byproducts of our energetic output. Some of them are things just like metabolic waste. Uh, some of it is sort of the dead skin cells and detritus that we throw off. But in our brain, there's also sort of neurological garbage that builds up. And the byproducts of all this activity build out of our systems, and they, we start to experience them as stress. And what happens after about 90 to 120 minutes is we start to feel a little tired a little irritated, a little distracted. We have trouble focusing or feel foggy. Um, our energy dips. Sometimes our mood will dip a little. We'll feel kind of grumpy. And all of these are signals that our body wants to take an ultradian healing break. And it's called, a, it's called an ultradian healing break. I think of it as an ultradian rest break because really what it involves is taking anywhere from a very brief, even few-minute break, to ideally a 20-minute break. And again, this Ernest Frossi book about the 20-minute break explains the value of taking a full 20-minute break 
But in reality, even a smaller break can help. It just gives your body and your mind a moment to do healing and recovery, to get rid of the junk that it's built up and kind of clear the slate for the next phase of productivity, which comes with reliable regularity. After that 15, 20 minute break, you'll see that your energy starts to go back up again. And then you hear to go right up back to the very tip top of your productivity, which you get another, 100 and, another 90 to 120 minutes of before, guess what? You're ready for another break and another healing response or uh, rest response. Now, does this make sense to you? Like personally, have you noticed this, that your energy goes up and down like this? For me, totally. And in fact, it was something that I learned about in medical school. At the time I was in medical school, I was also running, let's talk about needing to take breaks here. I was running a 2000 member nonprofit organization and writing a textbook when I was in medical school. But just to like get back to the point here, I was running this organization and we had uh, an herbal journal and someone submitted an article to me for publication, which I did publish on something called chronobiology. And it was the relationship between the, um, our biological rhythms in relationship to time, like Kronos, the Greek God. And, um, that's where the word time and chronology comes from and the implications of being out of rhythm on our immune system, our cell division and, um, the process of apoptosis, which is programmed cell death when cells don't die and they are proliferating. That's called cancer. And so this was really fascinating to me. And right around the same time, I was in medical school at Yale. And, you know, people who go into medicine have a pretty high level of stamina for long-term concentration. Like our board exams are eight hours. One of our board exams is eight hours, two days in a row. So we have pretty good stamina. But even at Yale Medical School, what it was discovered was that Medical students do best, and we all do best, and the entire uh, when we're when we're actually focused for shorter periods of time. So the medical school classes at Yale were dropped down to fifty minutes each. Classes were no longer no more than fifty minutes, with about a twenty minute break mid morning, and then again in the Mm -hmm. afternoon. And so what I started to do was pay attention to my own rhythm. I noticed that within that ninety minute rhythm. I do really, really well for 90 minutes, but some people actually need a break after about 45 minutes if they're doing like heavy focused studying, for example. So I actually started doing these practices where I set my cell phone when I was studying for exams or having to, you know, study, you know, apparently in med school, we learned like 200,000 facts in four years. So it's a lot of information. And I would set my alarm for 90 minutes of focused work time. And then I would give myself a 15 minute break. And then, so my alarm was literally set like 90 minutes, then 15 minutes, then 90 minutes, then 15 minutes. So then I, and then I would give myself like an hour break, right? Like a lunch break. And it is amazing. There's even something out there called, um, the Pomodoro method. And you can get this like tomato shaped timer. I didn't do that, but I I think about, um, you know, I think about it in terms of like, as you were saying, how can we think about our day as a series of sprints instead of this marathon that we're kind of chugging through till we get to the end, right? Like, how do we think of like, you know, whatever it'd be like a hundred meter instead of like a 26 mile, right? So yeah, I think it's amazing. Right. 
one of the things I find really interesting is that a lot of the research into ultradian rhythms has actually has been done by the U.S. Department of Defense, by the military. And what they discovered is that people who are doing highly intense uh, jobs or tasks like decoding intelligence or defusing bombs or doing intensive surveillance where they really had to have their attention and skill on something, after about 90 to 120 minutes, there was a very clear uh, downward trend in their accuracy, productivity, their ability to do their jobs well. They started um, making mistakes and being less capable. And ultimately, they decided not to have people doing these kinds of jobs for longer than 90 to 120 minutes. You know, it's one thing if you're talking about mind sweeping, where it seems like you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the stakes are very, very high to life and limb. But really, it's a good thing for those of us to keep in mind, particularly, I think, about doctors, pilots, but also creatives. You know, you know, writing a book. Many authors find that working in these sprints of 90 to 120 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is, giving themselves really frequent and forced breaks is the best way to guarantee a high level of not just output, but of a high level of high quality output. The other thing I think it's really important to remember is that you don't just lose productivity when you fail to take these kinds of breaks or incorporate them into your life. You really lose a lot of physical, mental, and emotional resiliency. And as you noted, Aviva, as a doctor, you know that like sinus rhythms, hormonal rhythms, blood sugar patterns, um, every system in the body, breath, brain, heart waves, moves in these undulating waves of up and down, up and down. And interestingly, many of them function on 90 to 120 minute patterns. So it's really getting into agreement with your body to respect this 90 to 120 minutes followed by a 20 minute break schedule. And when we don't, the costs are really high to our physiology because you mentioned immunity, which is exactly right. Immunity tends to plummet inflammation, the chemicals that are pro-inflammatory tend to rise. Our blood sugar tends to become more unbalanced. You know, many of us have seen people with low blood sugar who are just really difficult to be around. (laughs) And it isn't just that we're we're hungry because we haven't eaten in too many hours. We're low blood sugar because we've kind of overdriven our system during the last hour and a half to two hours. And interestingly, one of the things that you can do, and we'll get into a minute, you know, pragmatically speaking, how do you go about taking this kind of break? What do you do? Um, But for many people, taking a break to go get a snack or a drink is the first instinct that they have. Now, unfortunately, many people go for sugar or caffeine or a cigarette or a soda as a way of trying to pump themselves back up. They think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm losing energy. This must be the time for me to eat a glazed donut (laughs) and have a venti latte or something. And while that will work in the short term, it will give you a temporary boost. You know, as I know you've talked about extensively, it leads to this terrible blood sugar spike and then fall and then an even lower level of resilience and attention and energy as the result. But that said, taking some kind of a break to go get a cup of tea, have a glass of water, have a healthy snack, that's one way of taking that break. Another way is to go to the bathroom. Interestingly, many people experience the first inkling of an ultradian rhythm break coming on or the need for one as a need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, suddenly go, I kind of have to pee. Also very interesting and a little sad is that a great many of us fight that instinct. We go, oh, shoot, I have to go to the bathroom. Never mind, I'll hold it and keep working. I don't know how it is that we think this is a good idea, but I 
have been guilty of that before. We think that any break is going to impede our progress and we're so close to getting something done or we're, we just think we should be continuing to be productive. We fight many of the first um, signals our bodies send to go take this kind of break. So I'm going to come back to how to go about doing this practically in just a second. But I first really want to encourage people to just take this as an invitation to notice in their own bodies when this happens. It can be really helpful to set a timer, like you mentioned, on your phone or your computer or something in, you know, a kitchen timer is one of my favorite things to do. And when it goes off, just do a little inventory and notice, yeah, how is my energy? Wow, that was 120 minutes or 90 minutes. That passed much more quickly than I realized. One thing you'll notice is that you probably go many hours without taking a break if you don't create some kind of reminder system, at least initially, if you are one of the many, many people who's gotten off of your normal rhythms. I had a friend recently tell me that she realized she'd been at work all day for about seven and a half hours, and she had not gotten up to go to the bathroom or refill her water or do anything except work solidly for seven and a half hours. And I was like, well, how's that working for you? (laughs) She's like, I'm miserable. My butt's asleep. (laughs) I have a rash. I have a headache. My back hurts. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that's what will happen. So just beginning by inventorying, you know, how you're working now or how you're taking breaks or not taking them. And to what extent, you know, you're using your breaks in an attempt to just force your body back into productivity without really giving it a break at all. Um, You know, I think to some extent, smoking breaks and coffee breaks are a little bit like that. You're using a chemical effectively to to, um, re-trigger your system into productive mode. But it's also worth looking at, you know, how could you take that break in a healthier way? So do you want to talk a little bit now about how we can, you know, just manage to do those breaks? I can share a little bit about how I like to take them. Um, and some other folks in my life have, have done a pretty great job of incorporating them. I also love to hear how you're doing them. Yeah, I think it's super important, Pilar. You know, what you said about this not getting up to pee for seven and a half hours and not listening to our bodies. I think that this is something that is so ingrained in most Americans and particularly women where we override. And, and it, so often I'll say to my patients, you know, how do you want to feel and how do you feel? And it's such a startling question because we're, we get so busy actually never thinking about how do we really want to feel and how are we feeling because we just forget to tune into our bodies. I think this piece that you mentioned about, well, everything you've mentioned is so important and so powerful and so practical, but that piece about just making time to do self-audit is so important because so often we think about our body signals as something's wrong or symptoms, or like you said, something we have to medicate rather than just, okay, what is this information and what can I do with it? What is my body actually asking me for right now? And I just love that. And, you know, when you think about somebody not getting up to pee for seven and a half hours, I mean, you just hit, you hit it spot on what you said about, our brains need to detox. We even have lymph nodes in our brain we now know that are cleansing out accumulated byproducts of brain metabolism of our bodies are doing that. So when we're not getting up to pee and we're breaking down these byproducts, like you can drink all the juice in the world you want and do every detox cleanse that you read about. But if you're not actually listening to your body and emptying out when you need to, like drinking water and peeing, We're not doing it. So yeah, please tell us how you've managed because you've also been, I mean, I know now you're working for yourself, but for the past many, many years, you've worked in a large 
company with a lot of people who are working for you as employees, but you've also had other people to answer to. So how can people who are in that situation or even busy moms who have little kids, how can people fit this practice into their daily life? Yes. Oh my gosh. Great. Well, one thing I'd love to say just before I start into that, because you kindly reminded me of it, in addition to the whole like detoxing the stuff that you want to get rid of, or you need to clear from your system, the byproducts of all that energetic output, the ultradian rhythm um, break is also the body's opportunity to produce energy from adenosine triphosphate, which is you know, the body's basic fuel. You know, it says how it, ter- it what it uses to create physical energy, and that your body takes advantage of that fifteen to twenty minute break to kind of go into fuel production and transmutation mode. So. Even if you don't physically eat food or take new fuel into your body by digesting it, your body will use the break as a kind of a generator moment. So, you know, weirdly, you could take the coffee break without the coffee or the donut break without the donut or the cigarette break without the cigarette. Well, maybe (laughs) cigarettes are a little special because people are so addicted to them. But (laughs) without any new caloric... Uh, or, you know, glycemic input, your body will take advantage of that moment, often pulling from fat stores and things like that to produce new energy that it intends for you to use during your next chunk of time. So I will say for me personally, practically, understanding that fact helped me get motivated to start noticing these breaks and to, and to cease judging my need for these breaks in ways that made it much easier for me to take them and were also really informative in, in terms of the how. So one of the first things that I did was just make a commitment to my body that I would cease fighting and start noticing more the signals that it would send. And Aviva, it's very interesting. One of the things I noticed was a sort of tiredness behind my eyes. Mm. I'd get a little bit more blinky, like my eyes would feel a little bit dry. And I would just be noticing I was having trouble focusing both mentally and ocularly on what I was doing. And I'd start to get this sort of feeling a feeling that was rapidly followed by a feeling of self-judgment, by the way, of like, I kind of wish I weren't having to do this. Like, I kind of want to take a nap. <laughs> like, oh, dear. yeah, I'm losing energy, I'm losing focus. And it would be like, oh, darn it. And you know, I'd have a judgment about it very quickly. So I actually started noticing both the trigger of like, hmm, I'm feeling a little tired or I'm having trouble focusing. And then I would very quickly notice my subsequent judgment or reaction. And that for me was a really great moment of choice to say, ah, ha, 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 there's that feeling. I'm very familiar with that feeling. But now instead of using it as an opportunity to have a pity party for myself or to get down on myself for not being good enough or, you know, I shouldn't need to take a break now. I will use that as a trigger for like, oh, this is my body telling me to take a break so that I can come back and be more productive and more creative and also healthier and happier 15 minutes from now. And I just really use a lot of of awareness to make a choice to get up and go. Typically, I go to the bathroom first because it would be just a a very necessary shift of environment for me. Now, there are other things you can do besides go to the bathroom. Like I said, you could go to the kitchen and get a cup of tea or a glass of water. You can get up out of your office and walk down the hallway or get outside. Wonderful opportunity if you have access to the outdoors. Just getting your face out into the fresh air and the sunshine and the moving um, wind, if there is any, 
even if it's in a parking lot, can be really helpful, just shifting your mind space and your physical environment. Um, Another thing you can do is if you can't physically take a break, break, get up, go someplace, sit someplace new, you can shift from what you're working on now to a different type of task, typically a much less demanding task. So if you're working on a PowerPoint or a report or writing something or a spreadsheet or, you know, editing anything you're trying to do that demands a high level of focus, Shifting to kind of that, putting the staplers in the staple machine or cleaning out your drawer or your purse or emptying your recycling or, um, you know, it might be a good time to take a break and make a reservation for dinner or call your partner or a friend and say hi or, you know, do some simple thing, balance your checkbook, whatever. It's just amazingly helpful to give your brains, whatever your synaptic chain is at the moment to give it a rest and let it do something else not a bad time to make a social visit you know walk down the hall and actually talk to somebody about something like hey have you got anything you want to share for me with me on this upcoming thing switching gears like that is also really helpful one of the very best things you can do and probably the, the least accessible for a lot of people is to use that brief break for contemplation, reflection, meditation, deep breathing, or literally lying down on the floor like a yoga mat. The the best case scenario is you go from highly active, productive to dark room, you know, earphones or sound canceling something on your ears, like dark or eye covers on your eyes. And you basically just imagine that you're going to try to go to sleep, lie flat on the floor or in a very reclined position. They did a lot of studies. Like I said, the military discovered that a prone position dramatically helps with the, getting the best impacts of the Altradian healing response. And I have done that even in my busy office for a while when I was really dealing with some inflammatory stuff. I had a rash and a bunch of other problems. I got counsel from uh, a traditional Chinese herbal medicine doctor that was like, you need to get the inflammation in your body down. And she really gave me a talking to and suggested that I do this. Put a yoga mat under my desk and I would just lay down for 10 minutes. And it was amazing. I mean, I got, I took a little ribbing from my coworkers, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was fun. And it, it did teach me that we can more readily take breaks than we think we can. And the people around us actually support it more, particularly once they know the science around it. As a manager, I really encourage the people in our office to take these kinds of breaks. And, you know, there was a moment where I once noticed with irritation, there were a bunch of folks chatting it up in the hallway. And there was the first instinct was like, oh my gosh, come on people. We have got work to do. Let's get productive. And then I remembered like, oh, you know what? This is how people take breaks is they are social with each other. So that coffee clatch or that water cooler conversation may very well be an Australian break that people just haven't named such. Um, So those are just some of the ways that I've done it. I really did find that using that break moment to go refill my water bottle or get tea, make tea, I just slowed that process down a little. And instead of trying to do it in 30 seconds, I walked more slowly. I talked to people on the way. I got my water refilled. I would go to the bathroom. I would, you know, one thing I also love is when you're in the bathroom, whether or not you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom on an ultradian break. Nine times out of 10, you'll get to the bathroom and realize you actually do have to go. <laughs> and you can take a little bit of extra time just washing your hands thoughtfully and just checking in with yourself, taking a few deep breaths. The bathroom is like the great getaway in a lot of office buildings where you can actually be alone with your thoughts for a moment if you need to. 
that and outdoor breaks were some of my favorites. Um, another thing I would do is if I couldn't really physically change my location was use my headphones to change my mind space by playing songs um, or musical tracks that I knew would have a kind of restful reset quality. Um, you know, and snacks, like I said, getting healthy snacks or making healthy snacks were another of my favorites. Now that I work at home, it's interesting. I have had to really re-key my approach to ultradian uh, rhythm breaks. It's easier for me to get outdoors now. So I make a point of get, grabbing tea and just going and sitting outside and listening to the birds. But it's, it's weirdly deceptive. When you're working from home, you have a tendency to think that you don't need these breaks as much. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, so however it works in your life, you may have to get a little creative, um, but effectively the two most important things are making a shift of environment or of task and having the intent for it to be a break. And you can accompany it with whatever ritual activities help you do that. But those are the ones that have worked well for me. And I think every single one you have said is free and Except for laying on the floor, which your coworkers could think is weird. And if you can't do that one, you just can't. Every one of them is kind of a normal activity that you could slip into your day. Everyone needs to get water. Everyone needs yeah. to go to the restroom. Everyone needs to take a little walk. And what's really powerful, too, is that in maintaining awareness of the ultradian rhythm, every single thing that you have said also contributes to the bigger circadian rhythm of cortisol, which by doing that, you're also resetting your evening rhythm, setting yourself up for better sleep. By doing it, you're reducing inflammation, brain yeah. inflammation. So it's just such a powerful reminder that it's really all, all connected. We've gotten so far away from natural rhythms. You know, you asked what I try to do and, you know, it, it ebbs and flows for me working from home, you know, Pilar, you and I know we've like had six different tries. We got on this phone call, everybody, and we were joking that you'd think each of us was running a country and we're actually close friends too. So it's like trying to get on the <laughs> phone. I think we were easier. We we're probably easier to say, can I call you a different time? Can I call you a different time? than if we were like, just sort of like colleagues who didn't know each other very well, but it's easy for me working from home also to forget. And even when I was working, I mean, medical residency was terrible. I mean, it's very, it was very hard because your schedule is so circumscribed. So I would have to just really set time between patients, you know, if I'm seeing 30 patients a day, even if it was like two or three minutes between patients and then a little longer break when I could just to do that deep breathing, get up, stretch my legs, touch my toes a few times, twist at the hips, just do some things that are moving my circulation and, and my lymphatics. And then in the bigger picture, I would say the things that I'm best at doing and that I find contribute to my mindfulness around the ultradian rhythms are when I wake up in the morning, I do not have my cell phone. Uh, my cell phone is near my bed, but I actually don't get email on my cell phone intentionally. So I can never check my email on my cell phone and I don't check my texts. I don't, I have a, just a policy of not checking my phone before I get out of bed or before I go to bed. And I definitely try to take breaks. And it's for me, it's a lot of paying attention to how I'm feeling in my body. And it's that reframe from, okay, I'm feeling bored. I'm feeling restless. I must not like what I'm doing. You know, screw this. I don't want to do this job. Maybe like that kind of like mindset you can get in when you're starting to get stressed mm -hmm. out to actually just learning that all these little signals are something my body's trying to tell me. And when I start to have signals of discomfort, 
say, okay, what do I, well, I need to listen here? And it's usually, we sometimes mistake hunger. Uh, sometimes we may mistake thirst for hunger. So making sure I'm getting some fluids and not just coffee or, or green tea, but water. Um, making sure that when I do eat, it's not it's certainly not every 90 minutes, probably is more like every three hours. I'm eating something that's really high protein, um, good quality fat, so that I'm not loading up with sugar, so that my metabolism is staying really finely tuned. As much as possible, keeping things that are toxins out of my life. So you know, whenever I can eating foods that are sort of low carbon footprint foods so that I'm not accumulating more toxins that my body has to work harder to keep up with that ultradian rhythm. And then really giving myself permission to pause. So when I'm taking that, for me, it's usually like a 15 to 20 minute break. When I am taking it, I'm doing things that blow off steam. And it's so funny when I think about that, that like that term blowing off steam, you know, when we're exhaling, we are literally exhaling toxins that we've accumulated. Like the steam we're exhaling is blowing off toxins. We're letting our brains drain out those toxins. So it's letting myself really take a break during those 20 minutes. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to be like distractible by social media, when I'm in that 90 minute period, I just remind myself that if I want to go on social media, I can do it during my 20 minute break. And then I can have some fun looking at some fashion or some art or communicating with a friend, you know, any of that stuff. And then um, for me, sort of paying attention to some of the bigger um, sort of shift points in the day. So, so work days are kind of set up where if you pay attention to your breakfast, your lunch, and sort of like that circumscribed, let's say seven o'clock dinner time, you are kind of getting almost like 120 minutes in there. And so how do we pay attention to that 90 minute, but also those big breaks, like a lunch break, really honoring it, right? Not having a keyboard lunch, not having a dashboard breakfast. And one of the things that there are some really powerful studies on are paying attention to that shift point, which is an ultradian rhythm. It's like a 120 minute one when you get out from work. There are studies that say if you take 15 or 20 minutes and just have some fun, blow off steam, do something relaxing, dance, connect with a friend, whatever it is that nourishes you, a hot shower, whatever, um, you're actually fully resetting your cortisol for the evening so that you're putting your your circadian rhythm back in balance by paying attention to your ultradian rhythm. And then you're going to get a better night's sleep, which sets you up for better health the next day. So I'm not always great at it. I mean, I'm pretty good. I've gotten, you know, getting in that sort of setting my alarm um, when I was in med school, got me in a pretty good routine. And now I don't set alarms anymore. I pay attention to how I'm feeling. Um, but that's kind of what I do. And and getting up and just moving and goofy things. Like if you work from home or you have kids, you know, and, and it, you know, we tell ourselves, and I don't mean to be mean in saying this, but I think as Americans, we tell ourselves a lot of lies. We have a lot of, I can't stories. Like I can't do that because I have four kids and I homeschool, or I can't do that because, I'm running a big company or, you know what I mean? Those, I can't stories. And I think it also, it has to start with taking the power over your life because the stakes of this stuff are no joke. You know, I've seen the end result of people who have not taken care of these rhythms their whole lives. And the end results are in the extreme, really scary. 
but you know, cause we're living, mm-hmm. we're living longer, but we're spending the end of our lives a decade or more paying for what we didn't, you know, it's like a pay now, pay later. Right. So that's, yes. that's kind of what I think. Yes. Well, and I would just love to add a couple of things that you said that just reminded me. One thing you said early was about, you know, I mentioned the putting the yoga mat onto the desk and, you know, people thinking you're a little odd. It is true that confronting what other people will think of the way you are managing your energy and or your time may be an inevitable thing. People have their judgments about everything. And I think, and like you mentioned, the stakes here are really high and our culture is really pretty sick. The way that we have... The version of normal that we have created is making, you know, a lot of people very ill, very unhappy. More than 50% of U.S. adults are, have already been diagnosed as chronically ill because of the societal norms that we're living under. And the vast majority of people are, are floundering psycho-emotionally, at least not thriving. Like up to 80% of the folks that are living in our so-called normal society are making themselves unhappy and unhealthy as a result, are really struggling to take even somewhat decent care of themselves. And I have reason to think that statistically the numbers are really pretty horrible. Like I would say less than 1% of people are managing to create sustainable health and, and happiness for themselves right now in the United States of America. So yeah, if you choose to be healthy, I always tell people, you know, it's a revolutionary act. Choosing to be healthy in an unhealthy world makes you odd. It makes you into a sort of freak. And it doesn't mean you have to be wildly countercultural, but you probably will need to do some things that other people are not doing. And I just would love to share, you know, one example. Um, during the holiday season a couple of years ago, I was just back-to-back scheduled. And I got toward the end of my day, and I had a manicure scheduled. Now, the manicure is to be like, oh, that, you think that's a relaxing thing. But typically, when I'm getting a manicure, I'm also either chatting with the manicurist or I'm checking social media with one hand while the other hand is getting done. And it's it, I've really kind of emptied out all of the pleasurable relaxation part of that. And I realized I was getting the tired behind the eyes and everything in my body was saying I've missed at least two of my ultradian rhythm breaks. <laughs> and I was starting to get the byproducts of that in my system. And I just told this woman, I said, you know what, do you mind if I just take a minute and close my eyes? I know it's a little strange, but I'm not, I I might fall asleep. If I do, you can nudge me, but I really just need to like sit here and be in one place for a minute. And she's like, oh honey, no, go right ahead. So I just sat there. It was the most relaxing thing. And sure enough, after about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, she was kind of winding up her stuff. I opened my eyes and I felt like a new person. And I was able to go into my, my evening plan feeling really refreshed and good. And, you know, maybe she went home and told her husband and kids, wow, I had this really strange client do this really strange thing. But at the end, she actually told me, she goes, I I had that feeling so often where I just wish I could close my eyes for a few minutes. She goes, you just give me a ton of inspiration. Next time I need to do that, I'm going to do it. And I was like, all right. So sometimes you might do something you think and other people think is a little bit weird, but you might be surprised that they actually think it looks pretty appealing and they want to adopt it as their new normal. You know, (laughs) Pilar, it's so... uh, None of that is a bad idea. It's so powerful. First of all, just want to say that um, one of the things that my best friend from medical school and I used to do was we would actually spot each other on power naps. So we, you know, we'd go to the library and, you know, we're studying all the time so hard and we would set our alarms for 20 minute naps and I would set mine and do my 20 minute nap and she would set hers and do her 20 minute nap at an alternate time. And it was, it was exactly that feeling when you get to the point where you feel like you have to push through, it's almost like different for me. It's almost like a fatigued, slightly carsick feeling. Like it's almost a fatigue, 
nausea, sort of like, am I coming down with something feeling? And you do find ways. It's when you're starting to think, I need some sugar, I need some caffeine. It's exactly those signals. So powerful. And, you know, um, when I was working on my book, as you know quite well, Pilar, and many of you listening have been cued into... You know, I had, I had 12 weeks to write an entire book start to finish. And even though I had been thinking about those concepts for a decade, writing a full book for Harper One in 12 weeks was very stressful and anxiety provoking. And so there were a few times during that period where I couldn't get a podcast together. I couldn't write a blog. It was like, if I pushed myself any further, I felt like I would explode or something. So it was sort of a bigger, you know, feeling of what happens during those little microcosms throughout the day. And the most powerful thing happened. I would actually transparently write to many of you who are listening, and I'm so grateful for all of you. And I would just write and I would say things like, all right, guys, I'm hitting the pause button and I'm walking my talk because if I pushed any further... I wouldn't be true to what I'm actually telling you. And what was amazing was the flood of emails that would come in and say, thank you for giving me permission to pause by being someone who gives themselves permission to pause. What a powerful thing like you did at your manicurists or like we do in our daily lives. I know that, you know, Pilar and I, we have had many, many conversations. I really love this woman And not only do I adore her as a human being, she's just so beautiful and wonderful, but I learned so much from her. We really approach life in so many ways similarly, but then we think differently too, Pilar. You think in terms of systems in a different way Mm -hmm. than I do, but you and I have had one conversation pretty ongoing and somewhat regularly for the past few years, which is this commitment to really living what we say that we do. And you actually have a new podcast, The Living Experiment. Tell us about that because that name kind of really exemplifies or says everything about it. So tell us about your podcast. Tell us what you're up to and let everyone know how they can follow you because I know they're going to want to. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I am having so much fun doing this podcast. Yeah, it's called The Living Experiment, and it's with Dallas Hartwig, my co-host. Dallas is the co-founder of The Whole 30 and uh, the co-author of that New York Times bestselling book and also another New York Times bestselling book called It Starts With Food. But he, like me, is really interested in expanding our notions of healthy living beyond just food and nutrition and exercise and even just you know stress management into a broader discussion of what it takes to be healthy in an unhealthy world. And the basic idea is if you are choosing, like I said, to do these unconventional things that are required for you to be healthy in an unhealthy world, it will make you kind of experimentally approach new ways of living. So you're going to constantly be conducting a living experiment. And at the same time, you're putting yourself out there and becoming a living experiment. You become one of those very few who are doing it differently enough. And you're having kind of a constant exchange with the world. And um, I think it helps to view ourselves that way and view our choices that way. We can always try something and see how it turns out. So the show's format is pretty fun and pretty simple where we introduce a topic. Um, The first few episodes are out now and they're on things like um, mourning and 
pause is actually one of them that's coming soon. We're going to be talking about these kinds of breaks, but we talked about loneliness. We talked about um, healthy versus hot and the differences between looking healthy and, you know, being super attractive and sexy and actually being healthy, (laughs) how they sometimes Mm -hmm. can work at odds. So we have kind of a rollicking fun no BS conversation about these topics based on both of our backgrounds. Um, We're both kind of steeped in functional medicine um, consciousness. And we have very different points of view as as a woman and as a man and as people of different ages and of different life experiences. But we share what we've learned the hard way ourselves and what we've learned from our professional endeavors and exposures. And then at the end of each show, we offer people some living experiments that they can try in their own lives. So we basically get it down to some practical interventions that we invite people to try and see how it works for them. And, you know, let us know, does it work? Does it not work? Uh, Typically, we share things we have tried ourselves and found to be really um, rewarding and fun experiments. Um, But we really acknowledge that everyone is different. And we're really committed to the idea of not shooting people or telling them what they have to do. But saying, you know, here's something you could try. Give it a shot. See what you think. And uh, so far, the feedback has been wonderful. We hit the top 10 for the health category in podcasts and iTunes this week. And I'm really just having a lot of fun getting to talk directly with people and uh, to to humans, you know, about things that real humans deal with on a daily basis. So um, it's fun. We'd love to have you as a guest on our show and uh, have you talk more about the things that you're such a wonderful expert on. Both Dallas and I love your work. Oh, thank you. That would be really fun to do. And for those of you who want more Pilar, Pilar, what's the best web address for people to come follow you at too? Sure. Well, for me personally, it's uh, PilarGerasimo.com. So P-I-L-A-R-G-E-R-A-S-I-M-O.com, PilarGerasimo.com. And then the podcast site is LivingExperiment.com if people want to go check that out too. And uh, social links are available from both of those sites if you want to follow me or The Living Experiment on pretty much any social platform or the ones that we have, they're all there. And then uh, obviously the podcast is available through all of the major audio platforms, including iTunes. And for those of you who want to get a little bit of Pilar Aviva time, if you're listening to this before August 19th, 2016, because I know these podcasts, they live on forever, right? Um, I want you to know that we are doing a really fun you know, it's it's going to be a deep dive weekend. We're doing something called the Total Body Life Reboot. It's going to be August 19th to, 20, to August 21st, 2016 at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, which is here in uh, Lenox, Mass, right near, or it may be in, actually in West Stockbridge. It's in the town in or next to where I live. It's just going to be a beautiful time of year. And it's a weekend of deep dive, but don't let that scare you. It's not a hard work weekend. It's actually a weekend of time to replenish yourself, look at your priorities, and and we'll work with you to help you create a life that allows you within the life that you have to start to live within some of these rhythms, to overcome overwhelm, stress, fatigue, and all the things that start to happen when we get out of harmony with our own self and when we're out of alignment with what brings our best self to the world. So I'm looking forward to that weekend with Pilar. And we'd love to have you there. And we'll, yeah, we'll have all the links. We'll have the link to Pilar's podcast with um, Dallas uh, below this um, video, or below this um, podcast link. And we'll have the link to Kripalu as long as that's still a live link if you sign up soon. 
And we're so excited to have had you listen. Thank you so much, my dear friend, for joining me today. It's a thrill to share you with these other wonderful women who I know are going to fall in love with you as much as I am. Thank you so much, Aviva. I love talking to you, and I'm really honored to have gotten a chance to be a guest on your podcast, which I love. Thank you, and thank you for bringing this new way of thinking to all of us, and hopefully we'll see you at Kripalu. If we can't see you at Kripalu, let us at least see you in the comments section so that we know what you're thinking about, how this might be impacting your life, questions you have, and thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.